This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Laravel News, episode 155. I am Jake Bennett, and once again with me, as always, is my wonderful Aussie friend over in the wonderful land of Aussie land, Mr. Michael Dorinda. Michael, how's it going, dude? Hello, hello. Uh, yes, we're uh, running a little late. <laughs> we are, a, a little bit. We've, we've thought, had some technical difficulties. We've had some technical difficulties the last couple of streams where my video just janks up and dies and the stream, we lose bits of the stream and all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. I thought I will prepare in advance and I'll get the iMac set up and get it all working. But the only thing I couldn't really test ahead of time was Skype um, and getting the Skype, you know, the the video chat from you into... All the way into OBS and all the way through and and then back out. And so I'm looking at my video right now and it is already starting to lag. It is. Less than 60 seconds into starting the recording of this podcast. So that is obviously... Disastrous. I don't know what it is about detail. Maybe I should reach out to them or something and be like, hey, yeah. ever since this update has come out, it's just become a mess. Like they went to 1.0 and it seems that like the 1.0 release has become problematic. Yeah. Um, whereas like all the, the pre 1.0 releases were just fine for me. So I don't know. I don't know what That's it is. Bummer, I think it's coincidental. I don't know. I, I thought it was going to work out with with the uh, stream labs but not not to be i've just opened i've opened my macbook uh, out of clamshell so maybe that will i don't know allow it to breathe and not hey, cook itself in um, there yeah real quick like speaking of errors i you know i know that i know some really good developers and even the best developers have errors right i mean this is a thing mm-hmm. oops you still there okay i'm still here hey why don't you tell us about our sponsor we have our good friends at Honey Badger back. Honey yes, Badger is they're back. error reporting, error tracking, bug tracking, scheduled uh, task, you know, cron monitoring, all of that good stuff. And we will speak more about them later on in the show when my script is they're back. Awesome. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I can read a little bit more about them. Indeed, indeed. Yes. And we will talk about them. It was just seemed too appropriate to like it not did. say something about Honey Badger. We're talking about all these errors and production and 1.0 release and all that fun stuff. So, <laughs> hey, uh, quick story. So we're going to get to the updates and the new stuff in just a second here. But number one, I'm running on my new M1 Max, which is mm-hmm. so fun. Oh, my word. I haven't had a new laptop for five years. <laughs> I was up until 2 a.m. last night setting up my machine, like just getting all my stuff. And Michael was like, if you would have kept your dot files in arranged... Mm-hmm. You would have, you know, you'd have this done by now. But man, I've made so many different decisions than what I had like the last time I set up a new machine, like so many different things, right? So it was kind of fun just to start fresh and and uh brand new installs of everything and it felt good. So I feel like everything's just nice and fresh and clean, which is great. Uh that wasn't what I was gonna say. However, uh what I was going to say is that on Friday morning early, we had some code that we were going to merge, so we merged it. And then I was going to do some stuff switching over to PHP 8. I had tests that had already run, done all that stuff, all good. So Forge, get it all set up, like switching over to PHP 8, great. And then like at 9.30, so everybody's been using everything for an hour and a half. Everything just like crashed out. Oh, man, uh-huh. that was the worst. Oh, so bad. And so I figured out like, so I have like uh, PHP 7.4 running and 8 on the same server. So we rebooted and I was like, maybe it's just a reboot. We'll do something. I told everybody in the company, hey, web apps are going down for a couple minutes. Came back up. Yep, it's back up. Nope, it's back down. Oh, come on. You got to be kidding me. But it was only the apps that were um, that were 8.0. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to roll back. But man, they, I sure was thankful for error monitoring when that came up, right? It was just like one of those things like I knew immediately everything just started blowing up. Yeah. Uh, and I remember like back in the day, dude, that was stuff we had zero visibility into. Yeah. You never until knew someone until comes the users reported it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you had no way to like know what was happening at all. Yeah. Uh, so it made it a lot easier to diagnose looking at my air tracking and being like, oh, oh, this is all my apps that are on PHP 8. Okay. I could tell immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, yeah. Honey Badger. Thanks for sponsoring. We're grateful to have you back. Did you hey, figure it out? Um, Don't leave me in suspense. Did you figure it out in the end? What what was actually causing? So issues? honestly, I, I I couldn't tell you. Like, I think there was it, it was, was a kind bit of error. There was there was a couple of things. Uh, yeah, it is the worst kind of error. 
there was a couple things um, going on that morning. I think so. One of the things that I have to do when I switch over to PHP 8 is like when you're running those two versions on the same server, you have to like go into Envoy and change where it's looking at for PHP. So you have to point it to PHP 8. And then you have to change the composer location to make sure that it's pointing to the correct composer location using PHP 8. And then you have mm-hmm. to go into your deploy hooks and make sure that those are using PHP 8. And then you have to go, you know, back into Forge and make sure that you set a PHP and then do your deploy. And then after right. that, then what I do is I change out all my scheduler jobs, change out all my cron jobs, change out all my queue workers, all that stuff to use PHP 8. Okay. Everything was fine until I changed out a daemon for Horizon. So like PHP 8, mm-hmm. you know, run Horizon. And that's when everything went to crap. So I, I don't know if like the cache wasn't flushed or something. Before I switched mm. it, right? That's very possible because it's a regu- pretty heavy used like app for queues. And so maybe it just like got there and just locked up and like freaked out. So I stopped it for a while, switched it back to PHP 7.4 and then switched it back a little bit later and everything was fine. Like, but mm. that was the thing. Like when I switched that thing, everything locked up for PHP 8. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure, but. Yeah, I wonder if it had something to do with the fact that you had a whole whole bunch of jobs that were queued. Yeah, by PHP seven four that we're then trying to process in PHP eight. Exactly, and something about that might yes, have caused issues. Well, obviously, that's kind of what I think yeah. because because it really didn't happen. It, nothing happened. It was all fine until I switched that Horizon mm-hmm. worker, and then it just went interesting. Crap. Interesting. Yep. yep. So I need to be a little more careful about that. I think you know typically I do that in off hours, but it was like, and I actually was like. I had planned on getting up early that morning to do it. And I got up a little bit later than I was planning on. And I was like, oh, it'll be fine. It's like 7.30. There's not too many people in. Oh, and then I it was like 7.45. Words. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's not that big of a deal. It'll be fine. Yeah, it was a big deal. So <laughs> anyway, hey, should we get into it, my friend? Let's do it. 8.69. Here we go. So Laravel 8.69 was released on November 3rd. The Laravel team released 8.69 with enum model casts and enum validation rule mask method for strings and stringables and the latest changes in the 8.x branch. Enums are a big thing coming in 8.1. And I'm really, 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 really excited about this. Let me sell you real quick on enums. We, we've been using basically like not even the spossy enum package, just like home world enums where we essentially just create a class and then we just do, you know, you name the class something like uh, let's say category types or something. Mm-hmm. And then you have these constants that you define in there. And man, is it nice. Like instead of having, anytime I see a magic string in our stuff, I will make one of these enum classes. And then if I need to ever change, it, I just command click in PHP storm. It shows me all the places it's being used. It's so handy. Uh, but 8.1 is going to have this natively actual enum classes. Like I guess they're not enum classes. They're just enums. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you have in uh, this 8.69, if you happen to be rerunning PHP 8.1, Mohammed Syed contributed the ability for models to be cast to or from an enum, starting with PHP 8.1. So uh, you may have an enum string status and an enum integer status. And what you can do, just like you can with any of our other model properties, you can set a casts property. And then you can say string status, fat arrow, string status class. And then what it'll do is it'll take that value whatever that comes in, whether it's pending or done or whatever, and it will cast it to that enum, which is really, really cool. Um, and previously, again, this was something that we kind of had packages around that would sort of imitate this type of behavior. But now we get it in 8.1 and now Laravel is basically jumping on the bandwagon saying, yeah, sure, we can cast that to the enum for you automatically. This is great. Mm-hmm. So then you can compare the model to the enum value in your code rather than a magic string, right? So instead of server status equals, quote, pending, no, just like server arrow status equals server status colon colon provisioned, right? You're using that enum in order to reference that. So pretty cool. Along with that, we also have an enum validation rule. So Muhammad contributed an enum validation rule that ensures that the data has a corresponding value in the enum. Again, this was one of those things that previously before packages sort of had to take care of this. We're going to have it natively now. So if you have a validator, you can say status uh, new enum and then pass in your enum. And that will ensure that the value that's coming through is a valid value from your server status enum. Um, This is also nice because what you used to have to do with this is you would say like define my enum values and then you'd have to have maybe like a special key called all or something where you just 
repeated all of those in an array, and then you would do something like in, and then you'd have to say server status all or whatever, right? Yeah. Now, so there's a couple of clever ways to do it, but now it's going to be really, really easy. All right. We've got using a callback in, I think this is, I think this is a typo. I think it's a typo, yeah. Yeah. Using a callback during an auth attempt. Uh, Italo, at Italo on GitHub, uh, contributed the ability to use a callback in the credentials array of an auth attempt callback. And so where you might have had previously attempt email, uh, and you pass in an array here, email, fat arrow, John Doe at gmail.com. And then you'd say password, fat arrow, and then you'd actually pass the password. You can pass in now a, a callback into the credentials array uh, for the auth attempt. And in this case, uh, they have checking to see if the subscription is expiring before the current timestamp, at which point it says, yeah, don't bother. Mm-hmm. Don't bother authenticating them. They're not allowed to get in, right? And so that's interesting. Very nice. Very, Very good. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we also, which previously you'd kind of have to do that in like a middleware, right? You'd let them log in and then you'd say, okay, grab me that current user and then check to see if whatever. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Once yeah. you've already got the user, then you have to check that stuff. Exactly. You know, whether they've got an active subscription or that they've done, you know, verification or whatever else. Whereas this way you can kind of do it all in that singular auth attempt. Exactly. Nice. Yep. Then just redirect back and say, Hey, by the way, your stuff is expired. Okay. We've got uh, from the same contributor, Atalo contributed a mask method, and this will mask a portion of a string with a repeated character. So for example, if you had, let's say you had social security numbers, or you know what's a better example actually is credit card numbers. Now this mm-hmm. would be a terrible idea to store a credit card number inside of your database. But what you could do is if you are getting something from a user that you want to mask, you can take that value and say str colon colon mask, pass in that string, and then as the second argument, pass the mask that you want to use on it. So something like star. And then as a third argument, you can pass in how many values you, you want to leave unmasked, right? Uh, you can also optionally pass like how many do I want to do from the end? So this is sort of like substring, um, how you can specify like start here and end here sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so you could uh, do something like uh, obfuscate all of this with stars except for the last four characters right so if you mm-hmm. were trying to keep track of a card number hey we don't know what the exact card number was but this was the last four of the card number you used you could obfuscate all of those with stars except for the last four so that's mm-hmm. the new mask method on a string in addition actually this is just kind of an aside here beyond code has this db dump masker or something like that mm-hmm. i can't remember the exact uh another exact. one yeah 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 uh, but basically we'll do this across any number of fields that you would want to set up so you basically set up a schema and say for these particular fields i'd like you to just mask them with a star right and it'll do this exact same thing so you sign up get, you kind of get the length you know it might be helpful to know what the length of a typical field in that area looks like but uh, it's not going to give you the actual values out. So that's something that I used just recently that was really helpful. Okay, a couple more here. Custom stringable cast. Louis Gabriel Gabriel contributed a custom as stringable cast that casts a string into a stringable instance. Okay, interesting. So you could say maybe you want to have a title. You have a title on your model. Uh, and instead of having to set up a new string, a new stringable instance, you can just say, hey, cast this to a stringable. So an as stringable cast. And then you can just call your stringable methods straight on that value. So you'd say something like model title, and then you just call kebab on that because it's already a stringable instance. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that's kind of nice. Okay, Dries Vince contributed skip locked support to the MariaDB or MySQL engine. This update provides support for skipping locked rows when fetching records from the database. So if something's in progress, if uh, somebody's working on something and there's a locked row, just go ahead and skip it when you are fetching records from the database. Success and failure command assertions. Roberto Aguilar contributed a few convenience assertions for command exit codes within tests. So if you're calling an artisan command and you're in your test, uh, what you would typically have to do is you'd have to return uh, from that artisan command return zero or return one, or if you don't return anything and if it's successful, it returns zero. So previously you'd have to return that value and then you'd have to make an assertion against it. Now you can just say this artisan, pass in the command that you're wanting to run and then arrow assert exit code and then zero. Or 
assert successful or assert failed straight off of those artisan uh, tests. So that's pretty nice. Thank you very much, R- Roberto. Mm-hmm. We tried to do that roll thing last time, didn't we? That was the thing we last did. time. We did. We did indeed. Okay, my friend, that's 8.69. What do we got next? Laravel 8.7 was released with a new route definition can method, a JS class for JavaScript encoding, a flag to generate a form request class alongside models and controllers, and more. So first up, Taylor contributed, Taylor, that is Taylor Otwell, contributed a can method for route definitions as a convenience. The authorization of via middleware documentation also has an example of using this method. So previously where you would have to do, you know, your route definition and then you could chain middleware and then can colon and then the, the verb and then the, and then the name of the thing. So can colon update comma post. You can now use the can convenience method and just pass up the two parameters, nice. update, comma, and post. So that is nice and handy. Little and in, a, in the Laracast has a Larabit series, which is a, a series of small sort of five-ish minute videos on Laracast.com. There is a quick example of before and after of this approach if you want to check that out in a, in a video format. So definitely check that one out. Next up, Tina at Tina H, Chris Morell, and various others collaborated on a new JS class used to properly escape JSON within HTML quotes, resulting in a JS object using JSON.parse. Now, if you've ever passed JSON from the back end into, into your application, whether as a, as a JavaScript variable or if you've been pumping it into an X data attribute in Alpine or something like that, you've probably run into issues where it doesn't always parse correctly or sometimes you end up with like a null floating around in there which causes all of your JavaScript to break. Uh, If you want to include this particular thing in an existing Laravel 8 project, you can add the following uh, config slash app value into the aliases array and that's just to basically alias the JS facade to eliminate support JS class. So definitely check that out if you've ever had to fling uh, fling JSON objects around the place. Next up, Pavilus Kodop contributed a new dash dash requests flag, which creates a form request class and is used uh, uses it immediately in a generated controller. So if you were to do a make model flight dash dash resource dash dash requests, it will create for you a uh, a resource controller, and then for the update and store methods, it will also have a store flight request and an update. Nice flight request and then it'll get injected into that control automatically so just these little again as you say paper cuts these little things these conveniences to make development that much quicker if you're using form requests and lastly claudio decker contributed a scoping feature to tell the framework to scope the second second eloquent model as a child of the previous eloquent model in the same route without the need to provide a slug so taylor has had some tweaks made to this original pr as well so previously where you had to um, if you had like a slash posts, post slash comments, comment route on that second one, if you were to say slash comment colon ID, it would then scope the comment as a child of the parent post. So now you can do it automatically using the scope bindings route helper. And that would do that without having to specify the, the ID of the child element. If you haven't used that, if you're unaware of that, definitely check out the pull requests and also the documentation for routing using custom keys and scoping. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Can we talk about that real quick for people who might not understand what exactly it's, it's a little bit hard without the code right in front of you. Right. Mm -hmm. But let's say for instance, that you have a route where, I mean, we could just use this particular one and maybe it'd be better if you had something a little bit more sensitive. So for example, at work, we have like coaching logs. So like if a manager is like, hey, we talked about attendance today, right? Jake's been having a hard time coming in on time. He's been coming at 10 o'clock every day. So we had a discussion. It's just like an HR thing, right? So maybe what you'd have is users slash user, right? And Mm -hmm. so that'd be passing in the ID of the user. And then you'd have slash coaching slash and then coaching in brackets specifying the coaching id right what was the id of the coaching that you received whatever so if you did that um that's fine but maybe you go to users slash one or maybe let's say let's say i'm michael right and michael is user 10 and michael goes to users slash 10 slash coaching slash and then he passes in the id of a coaching that i received 
right? So now Michael goes to a coaching ID one, which was mine, my, my manager coached me. And now Michael can look at my coaching log Mm -hmm. because it's not checking that the coaching ID belongs to the user that was specified earlier in the route. Right. So typically or previously, you kind of had to do a little bit of fanciness to kind of get around that. You had to you had to kind of check everything yourself manually. And so Taylor, not too long ago, actually was like, no, 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 we can make this happen. We can make this really easy. And so, like you said, Michael, uh, it used to be you just had to like say colon ID, which would do the post, but it wasn't really super clear what was happening. You just knew kind of there was some magic going on. Mm-hmm. But now you can use this scope bindings. And the scope bindings then will make sure that it sort of follows this chain so that any com or any coaching ID that you see is going to be related to the user ID that was previously in the route, right? Uh, yeah. So this is really handy and takes a lot of work out of the equation uh, and allows you to kind of continue to use these nested URLs that feel like this is how it should be, right? But just always introduce these sort of headaches that you had to deal with. They're not headaches anymore. Now it's all fixed. So pretty cool. Very nice. Yes, yes. Okay. So let's talk about getting started with PHP in 2022. So Mohammed Sayed has a new video on the Laravel YouTube channel for those getting started with PHP or wanting a refresher. So let's be honest, right? Most of us probably started before PHP 7, right? We're talking about PHP 4 or PHP 5, maybe. PHP has evolved a ton since the 5X days, and this video is going to be useful for those who started with PHP, but later moved on to other languages and are either coming back or are just starting out, or honestly, for those of us who maybe just haven't kept up with most recent changes in PHP 7, PHP 8, PHP 8.1, you haven't been reading those posts uh, put up by, um, what's his name? Is it Matthias? I'm not sure. Frank's, Frank's friend. He uh, always like... yeah. No, not Matthias. It's, it's like Stitcher uh, Brent. or something. Well, Brent. Thank you. Brent. Thank you. That's right. He's got it's gold, by the way, all the stuff that he talks about with those. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. Great explanations, great examples. But this video explains variables and data types, functions, control structures, object-oriented programming, enums, frameworks, and with PHP 8.1 coming out on November 25th this month. It's really never been a better time to get ready for PHP 8.1. Muhammad has also uh, been putting out a ton of really good quality content on the Laravel YouTube channel. So if you have not yet checked that out, you should definitely take a little bit of time and do that. Yeah, shout out Muhammad. He's been like really up in his game when it comes to like, he got some great, got a great camera now. He's got this awesome lighting. He's got this wonderful ambiance with like, he's got this little stage set up pretty much. Looks really, really good. So yeah, he's he's very enjoyable. He's doing great work, leaps and bounds. He is. Yes, absolutely. Okay, what else we got? Next up, Laristan version one has been released. After initially writing about Laristan v1, or sorry, writing about Laristan back in 2018, we are pleased to see the release of version one this week on the back of the release of version one of PHP Stan, which is a uh, so Laristan is a package to help analyze Laravel application code specifically. Laristan is a development dependency that adds static analysis. Sorry code analysis to Laravel, improving developer productivity and code quality. At the core, it is a PHP stand wrapper for Laravel and helps you find errors in your code through code analysis. It helps catch bugs before you even write tests for the code. It will add static typing to Laravel to improve developer productivity and code quality. It supports most of Laravel's beautiful magic and helps you discover bugs in your code without actually having to run it in the browser, running your tests and things like that. You can yep. use Laristan to analyze application code as well as use it to analyze your Laravel packages. Getting started in a new or existing Laravel project is as easy as installing the package and configuring PHP Stan. If you find this package useful, consider sponsoring uh, either Nuno or Canvira on GitHub. They are the maintainer or the core maintainers of those two two projects. The Laristan project page also has links to all the ways you can sponsor their work. This is a is a is a great utility, especially if you're, if you're adding it to an existing code base. Nuno spoke about it at was it Laracon? Mm-hmm. Laracon US? Online. Yeah. Laracon it was Online. US. Yep. 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 Yeah. So he spoke about it at Laracon Online, the, the summer edition that's just been. Yes. Where he mm-hmm. talks about, you know, setting it as a baseline, starting at a at a lower level of verbosity and working your way up as you sort of work through issues. Because if you if you use the strictest settings, you can get a yeah. bit overwhelmed with all of the, the corrections sure. that it suggests to you. Um, but it definitely helps you write more robust code. So definitely it check really that does. out. 
One of the biggest benefits I feel like is that it, you know, you said it, it discovers bugs in your code without running it, right? So the thing is like, if you don't write a test for a piece of code, it's never going to fail for that piece of code because it's not covered. Whereas with something like this, even if you don't have a test specifically written for a piece of code, PHP stand is going to go look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Lara stand is going to go look at it. And if there's something that it can obviously tell is going to break just by looking at the types and how it's constructed, it's going to let you know. Yeah. The other nice thing that you can do actually, which is not like a Lara stand thing specifically, it's just a PHP stand thing. If you're like, hey, I really can't, I can't convince my boss that I need to spend a week and a half to get PHP stand all happy mm-hmm. you can also run it with a flag that basically says take any of the errors that are already in the code base and just sort of set them as acceptable errors mm-hmm. so you kind of run it and you say we're, we're going to kind of the code base is working right now so we're just going to pretend that those don't exist and then it's going to store that uh, in the project so the next time it runs php stand it's not going to alert you about those so that allows you to say for all the code moving forward from here on out we are going to check we're going to check and use layer stand to do that mm-hmm. but you don't have to commit to doing it on all your old, old code just to get started with it right because that's yeah. that's sort of the big barrier to getting started is like Correct. oh i have to go back and fix all my old old code right this mm-hmm. code base is five years old or 10 years old or whatever you don't have to actually you can just get started with yeah. the benefits of it even without having to go back and fix it and you can change that later right yeah draw draw As a line on the sand effectively and yeah. say look this is exactly. everything before this time doesn't exist and then make sure that you don't introduce new violations moving forward so yeah definitely a, a sensible approach yep. for anything that's been around for a bit of time you got it all right on to packages my friend provide country and other locale data in Laravel. So Laravel World is a package that provides a list of the countries, states, cities, currencies, and time zones. World integrates data with eloquent models via the database and provide, provides facades, helpers, and API routes. How many times have you found yourself having to do this, though, where you're like, okay, I need a list of all the countries. Let me go out and grab those from somewhere, right? Or a list of all the states, or a list of all the provinces, or a list of all the different currencies, or cities, mm-hmm. or time zones. You shouldn't have to do that anymore, as long as you're using this package. So Uh, An example would be something like if you did world colon colon countries, it's going to give you back a listing of all the countries along with like an ID, right? So it's like it's pulling it from a database. I don't know under the hood if it actually is generating these into database fields or tables. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's how it's working or not. Looks like it might be, but they have like world colon colon countries. And then you can actually pass in a field or a um, setting to say like I want states and cities as well. So give me mm-hmm. countries, but also give me states and cities. Um, and then you can run filters and things like that on them as well, which is pretty cool. So this seems like a really comprehensive package. If you're needing to do, especially with like any of us that need to handle internationalization, we have to handle a lot of these things, uh, and they're always a pain in the neck to deal with. So if you have need to use something like that, don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, use this Laravel world. And then if it's missing something, contribute to it, right? Let everybody else benefit from the work that you're already doing anyway. Mm-hmm. That'd be super appreciated. Definitely. Yes, yes. Next up, we have Laravel Formatters, which is a package by Michael Rubel that provides a collection of classes you can use to standardize data formats in your Laravel application. It provides a, a date formatter, a, a date formatter, a date time formatter, a locale number formatter, and a table column formatter. You can even extend from a built-in formatter provided by the package and by extending it in the service provider using the familiar app extend so the app container extend functionality so this allows you to do things like specify formatting of dates uh, as i said times numbers things like that you can set the locale on your application so if you want everything to always be displayed you know in the en australia like so the australian locale then it will always format things in day month year if you want to set it to us it'll be month day year and things like that so definitely check that one out if you've ever found yourself kind of overriding some of the defaults uh, of, of these different different data inputs, I suppose, in your applications. We have links to all of that, of course, in the show notes. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Michael. Jake. You talked about Honey Badger at the top of the show. Did. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about Honey Badger? I can. Why should we use them? Yes. I've got the script this time as well. My computer you has... You do indeed. 
caught up. <laughs> probably because it's not processing your video so much. <laughs> probably, let's, probably. Let's face it, your code is going to have errors, even code that is written by amazing and talented Laravel developers such as our listeners. When errors happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. Honey Badger will send you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error, where it's hiding, and lets you quickly fix it so you can get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. You can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution. And why is that important, Jake? It is important because they don't answer to anybody except for you, the developer. No venture capital overlords. They answer to the developers and to their customers, which we are so thankful for. Love it. Although I've met some developers in my time and sometimes maybe the venture capital overlord isn't so bad. (laughs) You make a great point. Uh, That is true, right? Developers can be quite demanding. It's like for free. Give it to me for free, please. Wait, wait, wait. You came out with a new version that's just included in what I paid last, Mm -hmm. like three years ago, right? It's not? What's wrong with you? You're just a money grubber. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not that. It's not how it goes. Definitely check out Honey Badger. You will find them at honeybadger.io. Absolutely. And also, by the way, in case you were wondering, because you probably were, we have a killer API written by one of our very good friends, Mr. TJ Miller. Actually, he wrote the SDK. He didn't write the API. He wrote the PHP and the Laravel SDK. So you should uh, definitely check that out. Okay. We have got another package called Laravel Model Sanitize. And this is by Tuhidur Raman to handle the sanitization process of model data when creating and updating records. So let's say, for example, you're going to create a user. User create. The sanitized package will remove non-fillable data automatically. So basically, it will automatically work for the create and update models like, or model methods like update or create, first or create. Uh, if you use fillable on models, this is not necessarily uh, needed because that's essentially what fillable does, right? Mm-hmm. So fillable says, here's a listing of things that we will allow you to fill in or basically mass assign to a model. So if you're using fillable, not necessary. However, uh, if you happen to use dollar sign guarded equals empty array, which a lot of people do, what this does is essentially it will discard any columns that are not found on the table so that you don't get uh, these weird inserts where it's trying to insert values that don't exist on the table, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It also has two static methods for separating data with corresponding fields to get valid or invalid data. So if you say user sanitize, it will get only the valid fields. Or if you say user gibberish, it'll get only invalid attributes from the data. So you could like strip out any of the values that are not on the table. So there you go. That is Laravel Model Sanitize. Lovely. Next up, we have a package that helps you conduct better email testing with Mail Intercept. Uh, so this is from one of our friends, one of our partners in um, the Kirschbaum development team, Brandon Ferrens. Uh, running tests can be hard. Do you need to mock? Do you need to spy? Is there a built-in fake? As we find in in Laravel sometimes, writing tests for mail can be even harder, but Laravel does have one of those fakes. You can use that at the beginning of your test, so the mail colon colon fake method to handle your heavy lifting, and then you can run assertions against the fake. It is very helpful to verify that mail gets sent out and peek at the mail and ensure that you got sent to the right person. And as a side note, a little known positive feature with faking mail is that it will disable mail from sending accidentally during tests. Never mm-hmm. want to accidentally send oh, test gosh. email. No. Uh, I've been there. It's uh, not necessarily the most pleasant of experiences. <laughs> uh, but you don't realize ma- it until you've done it. You've sent it, to yeah. like, you've sent it 10 times to the same list. Like, oh, no. I wish it was 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, faking mail can only take you so far, though. How do you test the email body contains the correct string? What about the custom header? What about subjects? Those are the kinds of details that need to be tested and can't easily be faked. This is where Mail Intercept comes in. Mail Intercept for Laravel is a new way of testing mail by intercepting, not faking email, so you can dissect it, turn upside down, and inspect everything. There's a whole bunch of extra assertions available to you. There's some examples on how to use this package itself. Um, there is a with Mail Interceptor trait that you can attach to your test case that pulls in the ability to intercept and make available 
the uh, test assertions. And just like faking mail, you must call the intercept mail method before mail gets sent. So instead of using mail fake, you can use this intercept mail. Um, and now you can run all the assertions against your mail object. And if instead you need to run assertions against multiple emails, you can use the each method to loop through them. Uh, there is a good starting point for all the assertions. However, if there aren't enough for your liking, the mail object that it returns is just an, intern, an instance of the Swift message class with all of its available methods. So this is something that you're interested in if you've ever had to test the contents of your emails, if you've ever sort of wanted to make sure that you haven't left like a, a, a placeholder in the mail that didn't get, you know, we've all seen those things that get sent out to like arrow, arrow or bracket, bracket, first underscore name, you know, dear first underscore name. Yes. And, and those things get left in there. Like this will help give you some confidence when you're sending those emails that you're not going to get caught out in those situations. So definitely check it out. Uh, thanks to Brandon Ferrance for the write-up and to Kirschbaum Development for putting this package together. Very nice. Uh, so in addition to the... Um, so we've got the packages, but we're going to move into tutorials. We already talked a little bit about this, uh, but it's sort of in a different vein. So we talked about how uh, Mohammed had a video course out there for getting yourself caught up with modern PHP development. Mohammed also has a new video on the Laravel YouTube channel that covers PHP 8.1 and then some of the changes and more that you should be aware of if you're going to be getting ready for 8.1. Uh, the video includes topics like the new enum types, read-only properties, using new in initializers, pure intersection types, and Laravel has also started getting everything ready for PHP 8.1. So it will be, fu it will be fully working when Laravel 9 is released in 2022. Also, you can now use Laravel Sale with PHP 8.1, and you can use Laravel Forge with 8.1. They have a release candidate uh, that is out there. Is it a release candidate? That's what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, release candidate. So if you're on Forge and you want to install 8.1, you can do that, and then you can start messing with the stuff right now. Um, as always, a lot of times the, the delay comes with package authors, and uh, waiting on package authors to update things to 8.1. If it's not a package that they've maintained for a long time or or what have you, it might be difficult to get it up to 8.1. You might have to fork and then update it yourself and then mm -hmm. hope that the author yeah. uh, hope that the author kind of merges it back in. So, yeah. uh, but this, this video will certainly help get you ready for what uh, things are that are within your control for how you can get ready for PHP 8.1. Perfect. Michael, what's your, what's your opinion on this? Like, So <clears throat> I actually was reading something the other day and this guy was like, never update anything. I was like, okay, that's obviously not reasonable. He was being a bit hyperbolic on purpose. But at the same time, it's like you have to pick your, you have to pick what things you do that are going to make sense, not only because you want to be on the latest, but also for like the purposes of like, what's the return on investment, right? Yeah. Like there are certain times during the year where it's like, hey, you know what? We don't actually have a ton of stuff going on this week. Let's update some apps to 8.1 or something. But there's nothing so huge in 8.1 that it's like, I have to update, you know? So I don't know. Is it just finding that window? I mean, the other thing is like, you know, obviously getting off of 7.4 is a priority as it's going to be end of life in the early next year. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, really, there's not a whole lot of reason I'm switching to 8 other than just like security stuff. So 8.1, I'm probably going to be a bit behind on. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, I think generally speaking, you don't need to upgrade to the newest version of PHP just because the newest version of PHP has been made available. The the PHP core team does a good job with with maintaining previous versions for a couple of years. You know, there's a yeah. there's a predictable release cycle to that. And as long as somewhere in that release cycle you're preparing, you know, you're planning to upgrade your application so that you can be on the latest versions. You know, since PHP seven, the the breaking changes and the backwards compatibility issues have kind of not really been as prevalent as they were earlier on. The the deprecations are a lot more graceful in terms of like when they're happening and they're more predictable. You know, you know that if something is being deprecated in PHP 8.1, that it won't be removed until PHP 9. So you've got that kind of lead time to sort of fix up anything that needs to be fixed up before that happens. But, you know, there, there's a two-year sort of patch cycle on PHP versions. So... You know, obviously, you want to get off PHP 7.4 now because we're we're sort of reaching that end of like total drop dead date for any security fixes, bug fixes, and like any. There's no um, bug fixes. I think there's security fixes for 7.4, so you want to get onto eight at least. 
whether you go to 8.1, you know, the the transition from 8 to 8.1 is a lot easier than going from like 5.6 to 7 was right back back when we when sure, we made that right. change. So I don't think necessarily like there's nothing there that you need to use immediately. You know, nothing that's going to drastically change your code without forcing you to make changes to your code. You know, going yep. from like Sparsi's enum package to using native enums. You know, that's a that's a that's a piece of work that you need to undertake separate to getting your application ready. Um, so, you know, if you're not already ready for it, then then I'd wait. You know, six months probably is fine as a minimum to to kind of wait, in my opinion, to to sort of let all the packages get updated, to let all the bugs get ironed out, you know, to get to 8.1.1 or whatever, and then to sort of progressively upgrade your application. Now, and that depends on the size of the app as well. You know, smaller apps, things that have been always keeping up, they're probably going to be easier to update. And it's probably just a matter of like, you know, swap the sparse enum package for native enums and then all that's just going to work kind of thing. So um, it, it is really contextually dependent whether or not you're doing it immediately. I don't think there's any sense of urgency if you're going from like PHP 8, PHP 7.4 probably more so. Um, and anything be- before that, you've probably got your own reasons to still be on older versions. Um, True story. So yeah. good good luck. I'm sure CentOS yeah, will continue yeah, right. back backporting fixes to PHP 7 or whatever. Yep. Good. Good word, my friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. On to community links. Thanks for pulling some of these. What you got? Yes. The first one I have here is a is a short tutorial on how to add server timing header information into Laravel applications. So this has popped up in a couple of different places recently um, where it allows you... So these server timing headers, part of the HTTP specification. And so our friends at Beyond Code have got a package that allows you to add this as a middleware to then insert these headers into your application uh, responses. And then you can see... When Ooh, the request, wow. you know, That's how cool. long the request was sent for, um, time to first byte, control download, how much time was spent uh, within the application, within the database, within controller. So you can see like where the bottlenecks are. And this is kind of a, a short step, like an in-between step between having like no visibility over this information at all and having something like Scout APM running, right? Where you can see all of this stuff in great detail. So this was sent back in the, in the response headers, you can see timing. In, in Chrome and Firefox in the development tools. So you can, or, or you can like time specific tasks. If you can see that something is taking a long time and you're not sure exactly where that's happening, you can use the server timing facade and the start and stop methods to say like, I've started running this thing here. I've started, I've finished running it there and sort of putting that in around different code blocks in your, in your application. So you can see like where the actual slowdown is, but it also gives you the ability to publish the configuration. You can use, a environment variable to turn this on and off. So you might have this as part of your production deploy, but use an environment variable to have it turned off by default. And then if you, you know, if you find something that's slow, you kind of turn it on and figure out what's going on from there. You know, these kinds of things may only happen in production. So definitely a definitely a cool thing to look at. But definitely if uh, you know this is of interest to you, check it out. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. Very good. We've also got this efficient efficient distance querying. In my sequel by Aaron Francis, our good friend Aaron Francis. So what this is talking about is if you're storing something like the latitude and longitude of a location, and in this case, Aaron's talking about how they have about 6 million properties across the state of Texas. And on a regular occasion, their users need to search for properties that are near each other. So something like, show me all the properties within one mile of me. Or if you've used Facebook Marketplace or something, say, I want to include any people, any you know, any listings that are within 20 miles of my location, right? Mm-hmm. And so to do that, you can take advantage of MySQL's ST distance sphere function to make this calculation easy. But there are a few extra things that you can do to make this sort of search much faster. Now, to get started with this, uh, Matt Stauffer actually talked about this, I think, two Laracons ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Laracon Online version summer of 2020. 2020 maybe i think it was so yeah they've got a really good blog post that introduces the concept of haversine formulas and the st distance uh sphere function we were just talking about it's a really good familiar if you're not familiar uh it's a really good read if you aren't familiar with the concept but essentially uh it was introduced in uh, mysql 5.7 it's a native function uh used to calculate the distance between two points on earth uh so basically aaron goes through and says this is good uh, but there are a couple other things that we can do in order to uh, to make this a little bit uh, more efficient. So 
He goes through and talks about basic filtering by distance and then querying against a constant and adding a bounding box and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you've ever read one of Aaron's blog posts, they're they're deep, but they are understandable. He does a really good job of trying to make it understandable for the common developer. So, you know, without going through all of this, this is probably a good, if you really wanted to take the time to understand exactly what he's talking about, and there's a good deal of code in here, you're probably looking at a 10 to 15 minute read. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's really great. I haven't looked through all of it yet. But like I said, I've read, I've read plenty of Aaron's work, and he always does a really, really good job. So if this is something that you're having to deal with, um, I would highly suggest taking a look at it and uh, picking up some tips. Mm-hmm. I think the the key thing here is just the 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 uh, time savings in terms of getting this result. You know, it was, mm-hmm. um, I think, I'm just trying to see where it is in the, I don't know if it was in the post or if it was in the tweet that that mentioned it, but we're talking about bringing the query down to under 100 milliseconds where it was taking multiple seconds before. Um, so, and, and we're talking, you know, we're getting uh, in the order of, you know, tens of milliseconds to run this over 6 million records, as you said at the top. So it's definitely something to, to consider if you're processing, you know, huge geospatial data sets like that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, next up, this is from our friends at Laravel Shift, JMac. This has been around for a little bit. Um, JMac's been building it and, and they've launched this now. It's the CI generator, which intelligently configures CI, so continuous integration workflows for your Laravel or PHP projects on GitHub, Bitbucket, or GitLab. Shift reviews your composer dependencies and project files to create jobs for linting PHP, checking code syntax, and running tests. And then Shift will build a common PHP environment with extensions and services making it easy to adjust. After running the generator, these workflows will automatically run anytime a PR is opened on your on your repositories, giving you even more confidence when merging changes in future shifts. So definitely check that out. There's a there's a demo there on how this works and, and what it does and, and what happens in terms of like when you make this, uh, when you run this Laravel shift, it works for anything running PHP 7.3 or higher. It runs against Laravel or just vanilla PHP applications and it generates workflows with a whole bunch of configuration things. Um, shift will configure the CI environment based on your project dependencies and files, but you may need to adjust or add configuration based on any additional requirements of your project. So I had a bit of a play around with this with with one of my projects um, and it was, it was nice to see how much it actually did and how in-depth it went in terms of setting things up. Um, it detects, you know, if you've got PHP CS fixed files and things like that in there to make sure that all of that is set up and running against your code to, you know, make sure that you have consistent formatting everywhere. So definitely check it out. The the shift stuff is always really good in terms of like getting rid of that busy work from your applications and, and getting things up and running. So, yeah. And people a lot of times have a hard time swallowing this. They're like, oh, 20 bucks. Are you kidding me? It's like, I'm telling you what, man, like if you could just spend the 20 bucks, I mean, Especially like if you have like 20 apps, you're going to do this across. Okay, maybe you don't have to spend $20 each time. Mm-hmm. But at least to kind of get it a baseline for what do I need to do? You know, you're going to read through four different blog posts. They're going to have four different opinions and different ways that they're going to want you to set it up. Uh, if you just purchase something like this, find out how much time it saves you on one repo. Maybe you do end up using it across all your repos. 20 yeah. bucks is not a lot of money when it comes to developer time, right? This is very likely going to save you time and save you money and effort, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's worth giving it a shot. Even if you're just trying it once, give it a shot, see how it goes, see what it does for you. And uh, I wish this would have been around like three months ago. Yeah. Maybe it was. Maybe I just yeah. realized it. Um, no, it's fairly new. It's funny though, because the, the post here talks about how there's an estimated time saving of two hours, which I think yeah. is being very generous because yeah. yep, yep. when you're doing this stuff, um, you very rarely get it to work the first time. And mm-hmm. there's there's no real way of testing it other than like making a change, pushing again and and letting the pipeline run and see what happens this time. So the the fact that it's kind of just going to figure it all out for you and push something that's that's in a pretty ready state is 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 amazing for 20 bucks so definitely check it out very nice hey last thing to uh highlight here is that the laravel worldwide meetup number 11 uh was recorded on october 28th and so uh, we have a recording of the latest edition uh fellow hermans showed off two great live wire packages that he made uh this dude made a spotlight and a modals package with livewire the spotlight one is pretty freaking awesome if you think like alfred or spotlight you can essentially use this package and duplicate that or replicate that sort of behavior on your website so if somebody presses you know a question mark or something it will pop up a little 
spotlight sort of looking uh, modal where they can type something in and then you can do whatever you'd like with that. You could have mm-hmm. it issue commands or you could have it be a search or you could have it do all sorts of different things. So that's really, really cool. And then he's got a modals package as well. And then also Steve McDougall uh, had a talk on building and testing APIs in Laravel. So some good tips there. Also, at the very end, we had a surprise guest, Kaneko, and he gave a nice little presentation on, uh, he took this out of the closet, dusted it off, and talked about Lumen, Laravel nice. Lumen. So if you haven't been around to, uh, long enough to hear that, that was sort of like a response to a bunch of people complaining that Laravel was bloated and oversized and blah, blah, blah. We just need mm-hmm. something for microservices. And so Taylor was like, fine, we'll give you Lumen. It's like really, yeah. really stripped down and small and whatever. And uh, at this point, though, you, I don't know. I don't yeah. want, I haven't watched this talk yet, so I don't know. I can't criticize anything. I was going to say that, you know, I wouldn't use it for like a new project. Probably I'd just use Laravel. Yeah. I um, saw Taylor Twitter the other day. He's, I think this must be coming for Laravel 9, possibly. He's working on having like a dash dash API ah, switch oh, for Laravel new. So it'll strip sure. out a whole bunch of stuff and take out a bunch of things that you don't need if you're just you building a, a stateless API. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Check out Taylor's Twitter. I'll see if I can find the the link and pop that in the show notes for you. Very good. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. This was episode 155 of the Laravel News Podcast. Apologies for any uh, frozen faces that you might be seeing on the live stream if you happen to be joining us while we're recording this. Hey, your face just uh, started moving again. Look at that. <laughs> there we go. Ta-da. I just had to say something and then the technology was like, oh, oh he's paying attention. We'll change <laughs> it back. Yeah, if you want to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 155. Uh, if you liked the show, we would really love it if you would take just a minute and rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. We have not had a lot of ratings recently, Michael. Mm. We haven't. Folks, we're calling out to you. Give us a five stars and we will shout you out on the show. We will say your name and we will, Michael will sing a song for you. This wow. is a Caleb thing. Remember when he said that? He's like, I'll play a song for you on the piano. It was. Michael will Caleb, sing a little ditty. Caleb, Caleb can sing and play. <laughs> That's an the half the fun of it. That's and not the point I, of it, though. I can do neither of those things. <laughs> Michael probably won't sing. But we'll say thanks, and we'll, we'll mention your name on the air. And, uh, of course, if you'd like to hit us up on Twitter, at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News, we would love to hear from you. Always love hearing from people. So let's talk. Let's talk. All right, folks. Thanks again for hanging out with this. Episode 125. Michael, see you next week. Bye. Peace.